Welcome to Pacific Point Church. Glad that you guys are with us. We've been in the series in Ephesians uh, for, we took a little break um, for a couple weeks to talk about the conflict in the Middle East, and, but we're back into Ephesians and to one of our favorite verses in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, and it says this, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time, for your word. God, I just pray for your um, spirit to go forth and speak to us. God, I thank you for the testimonies this morning. I thank you for the veterans. God, I pray for, um, that you'd fill this place in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. I've got, is it kind of canny? Is there a little vibe in here? Uh, sorry, Doug. Is it the other? Uh, uh, I always torture poor Doug back there. He does a phenomenal job. So we're in, in this, this, this series on grace, and, and this whole scripture here can be synthesized to a couple things here, really one thing. Christ plus nothing. Jesus. This scripture in Ephesians just, just clears the deck and lets us know that there's nothing you and I can do to earn our salvation. That it's Jesus plus absolutely nothing. I'm reminded of the story of, I've, I've told it before, so bear with me, um, of the German guy who comes over from Germany to America, and, and uh, you know what I'm going, and, and he's a larger fella, but he comes to America, and he comes to Orange County and realizes, man, everybody in Orange County likes to be in shape, so I need to get in shape, so he goes to Weight Watchers, and he goes over to Weight Watchers, and he doesn't speak English very well, and they're trying to translate and tell him what to do and all this stuff, and they weigh him, and he goes off, and he spends his, you know, two, three weeks away and comes back to check in to see how he's doing. And when he comes back, he weighs again. And the doctor said, for some crazy reason, you have gained weight. They're like, Weight Watchers, most people are losing weight. How is it that you're... So they got an interpreter so they could understand a little better because he didn't understand what was going on. And what they found out with this man was this, that he wasn't stopping what he was regularly eating. He just added Weight Watchers to it. <laughs> and he got a little larger. For many of us, you've come to church and you add Jesus to your life. You think that Jesus is a little add-on. This little pet Jesus. Make things better. Oh, let me rub the bottle and the genie Jesus will come out and take care of me. Oh, if I just had a little Jesus, my marriage wouldn't be what it is. If I just had a little Jesus, I'd have more money. We don't realize that that's not the Jesus that we serve. It's Jesus plus nothing. Regardless of whether you get what you want, Jesus is still Jesus. Regardless of you, you, you having the house, the marriage, the what, whatever it is, Jesus is still Jesus and still on the throne. It's that same Jesus, Jesus plus nothing, that makes the changes so that your wife will actually like you. you get that? And how he does that is he knocks the stuff out of you, men. So to be more like Christ. See, see, this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. We love to boast about who we are. We have our subtle prides that we talk about. And, and, and you know, um, I, I wrote an email this week to 
uh, someone in our business, and I, I just kind of, I, I was telling them what I do, basically. Uh, so I just thought I would maybe, uh, you know, copy the COO on it, you know, so I could tell him what I do, make sure he knows that I'm doing the right things, you know. It's, it's that position that we do as, as men and women. We just want to make sure everybody knows how good we are, how good our work is. And the Bible says there's nothing you can do. See, here's the crux of, of, of the difference between Christianity and every major religion besides Christianity. It's right here. See, every religion that you know of outside of Christianity appeals to your pride that says, I can do it. And Jesus says, there's nothing you can do. There's no one righteous, not even one. When we look at different religions, Islam says you got to have faith in Allah and practice his good deeds. Jehovah's Witnesses. It says 144,000 individuals are going to make it. Let me just say, if 144,000 are going to make it, i got to bet really strongly that I'm not going to be one of them. Probably not you guys either. That sucks. That's really, I mean, where's the hope in that? i got to compete against 144, i got to be one of 144, i compete against billions of people. Buddha is just talking about the cycle. This sounds painful. He's like, let's just get back in the cycle. Rebirth. Let's do it again. Rebirth. Let's do it again. Rebirth. Let's do it again until we get it right. Mormon. Belief is a performance-based religion that if you do the sacred temple ordinances, if you go on your two-year trek, if you do all these things, you will be worthy for God's love. Christianity is the only one that says, Jesus plus nothing. See, see, what that does for me and should do for you is give you hope. Because the bottom line is this, none of us are righteous enough to stand before a holy God. That, that, that just kind of hits you right in the face. We don't like to hear it. What is the thing that people say? We say, you know, uh, when you ask people, everybody for the most part goes, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. But God gives grace and unmerited favor. God gives grace and unmerited favor. The heart of Christianity, the heart of these scriptures, the heart of Jesus, the heart of this Bible, the heart of, of, of God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is the gospel. And the gospel is the good news of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Christ going to the cross, dying for my sins, dying for your sins, going into the grave, and on the third day, raising, which none of these other ministries claim. They're all, get better, get help, do this, do that. And it was only when I realized that apart from Jesus, I can do nothing. See, we don't think that. See, you and I, like, uh, Eddie, let me tell you about Eddie for a second. When I first met Eddie, I thought he was full of you-know-what. I did. How many times have I repented to you because of this? Because Eddie would talk about someone, these people, big people, and he would say, he would talk about fixing things, and I'm like, this guy, he, like, he thinks he can do everything. And, 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 and what I realized over time, he really can. And he really does know these people that are like, you know, I've run into people and they're like, oh my gosh. And I've, I've come to him a couple of times and said, I repent. You are the great man that you are. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but this, this, God grabbed a hold of Eddie's life. And, and, and now that 
everything that he does, the heart of who he is, is this gospel of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection for him. See, the good news is this. Now, this doesn't sound like the good news, but, but this has to say, the good news is this. I deserve hell. That's not the good news. See, the reality is this. Most of us don't think that's true because we say, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. And I, I say it often, and it's worth repeating, but if we were to take back God's grace and just dig deep into your soul, what would we see? If no one could see, what would it look like? See, that, that's why that, that statement is so profound, because I know apart from Jesus, I know what I deserve. But the beauty is God reveals himself to me, to you, to us. And then God gives us grace through his son Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you and I could have life. And I live in hope. I live in hope. What does grace look like? What does it look like? See, grace is a gift, first and foremost. It's a gift. If I, this Bible was a gift and I handed it to you, you have the ability to receive it or reject it. But, but when you take it, that gift comes, it can't be taken back. It is a gift that has been given to you. Grace is unmerited favor and the kindness of God. He came down, his son Jesus, and died that you and I might have life. Number two, or one, one. Grace initiates and enables faith. When we encounter God's grace, it initiates this faith or this step that I take. It's this, this action that takes place. John 6, says this, No one comes to the Father unless he sent his drawn... Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. God brings us into and opens our eyes to who he is, and faith receives grace. When we encounter God and his grace in our lives, when we go from what we were to what we are, when we encounter this gracious God, what happens is this. Faith rises up. Think about it for the moment that you encountered Jesus. What you were and what God's done. Romans 10, 9 says this, but if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, it says you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and saved. It's this profession of who Jesus is. It's this conviction of who he is in our heart. And the understanding of grace, that there is nothing you deserve or nothing you can do to make you deserve God's grace. Number three is forgiveness and redemption. Through God's grace, sins are forgiven and believers are redeemed in the consequences of their sin. The sin, your past sin, your future sin, your present sin, God is washed away by the blood of Jesus. Forgiveness and redemption come through God's grace. Ephesians 1, 7, in him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of trespasses according to the riches of his grace. The blood of Jesus washes away my sin so that I don't have to pay the price of my sin. I can walk in freedom. I can walk in peace because of what God did through his son's some 2,000 years ago. Because the reality is this. You have two options. Either I pay for my sin or someone else does. I don't want to pay for what I've done. Number four, empowerment and transformation. Grace is not just about forgiveness, but also about transforming power that God works in believers' lives. What does that mean? 
I'm not the same person I was last week, last month, last year, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. I'm a new creation in Christ. And, and 2 Corinthians says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. God's power. Number five, continual grace. Grace is not a one-time event, but, but it's an ongoing reality. I walk in God's grace on a daily basis. When Joe comes up and, and leads us in worship, I, I walk in his grace. When I turn on the music, this week uh, Doug introduced me to, uh, 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 what is it, Elevate Worship, which I've heard of and stuff, but I've never really listened to it much, and I started to listen to it, and I walked in the middle of God's grace as I'm listening to this worship. When I encounter, are uh, you shaking your head because I should have known that way before? Okay. And when I encounter this woman on a day basis, on a regular basis, I encounter the grace of God. There's this continual, when I went to dinner with Colton this week, I encountered the grace of God. It's this continual grace that goes forth in our lives. God has called us to. Many of you are saying, I've heard this message. And you have. But here's the problem with that. And it's this. God's grace was never meant to just be preached. God's grace is experienced. It's just not a word from a pastor. So if you're sitting up here, I've heard this message before, which you probably have, because I preached this many times. I, I, I need you to get outside of that, that thought that here comes the preacher. I need you to get out of that. I need you to get into this place where you realize that, that it's not just preached, it's experienced. And I want the band to come up here. And I want them to sing this song, Amazing Grace. This song was written by uh, John Newton. John Newton was a British slave trader who had this encounter with Jesus. And, and, and it wasn't just... A, a preacher coming up and speaking, he, 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 he had this encounter with all of his senses and everything that he was, and it changed his life so much that it, this song came forth from it. And, and, and as, as they get ready to sing this, I, I want you to think about the words. Think about this Jesus that we're talking about. This Jesus that, that brings hope. This, this Jesus that, that brings peace. This Jesus that loves you unconditionally. And, and I want you to think about the moment that you came into relationship with him. You see, because here's the reality. It should change you forever. I want you to think, maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you know, this is all new to you. But you listen to these words and look at your life and what God has for you.
Grace is experienced. I can preach it all day long up here, but it's experienced. Grace is heard. It's smelled. It's touched. It's seen. It's felt. You see, because this was the heart of God, that as you and I encountered the grace of God, that, that His grace would flow off of us in such a way that others would encounter the grace of God. That others would, would see, touch, and, 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 and feel God's grace by your kindness, by your goodness, by your forgiveness, by your love, by your hope. Grace is experienced experienced see church if 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 we would enter into this this relationship with jesus every single day and walk in the fullness of his grace this world would look a lot different if you would enter into god's grace before you go to work tomorrow morning work would look a lot different if you would, would, would get up and enter into the grace of God before you even say hello to that woman or that man, that marriage would look a lot different. See, it's God's grace that changes a man or a woman. And when you truly encounter God's grace, you're never the same. You're never the same. See, but as I had said earlier, grace encounters happen each day. And, and too many times in the churches, we have this encounter with God and His grace. And then we put them in our pocket, and then we add them on, as we said earlier, to situations in our life. I can't live that way anymore. Not that I don't. But I want to wake up and I want to encounter the grace of God. You know why? So that I would love her better. You know why? So that I'd be a better father. So I'd be a better friend a worker, a better pastor. When he encounters God's grace, you're never the same. What, what, what does it look like to walk in grace daily? John Newton, a slave owner, had this encounter. And when this encounter uh, happened, th- this amazing grace that went forth even to, into a man's life who was trading people Trading lives like they were a commodity. No value on human lives. And God grabbed a hold of this man. And he wrote these words. How sweet is the sound. You can't say how sweet is the sound unless you know how bitter your heart was prior to you encountering God's grace. You don't understand the sweetness of God's love and him spreading his arms and dying on the cross and his blood going forth, unless you realize what you were prior to coming into a relationship with Jesus. But the moment you come in, you go, oh, how sweet that is, because I don't get what I deserve. And his understanding, John uh, uh, Newton, of who he was, that saved a wretch like me. He understood that his sin was sending him to hell. But God rescued him in his grace. 
He understood that at one point he was lost and now he is found. He was blind, but now he sees. I'm amazed at how many Christians who are blind. And the Bible says you come into this relationship with God and now you see. But we still, we put the blinders back on. And God has called you, church, to be the hope in this hopeless world. To bring God's grace forth that others might know you. And this man understood it and wrote this song. And he says, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear." But then he goes, "'And grace my fear relieved.'" Now that doesn't make sense. We have two opposing sentences here. But we look, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear.'" What does that mean? When he encountered the living God, the fear of God hit him, knowing that he had offended the perfect God. Does that make sense? Meaning this, when he, when he encountered God, he realized that he deserved hell. And the fear of God just hit him. But God's grace relieves the fear. Because I have hope. And that hope's in Christ Jesus. In the blood of Jesus. And, and then he says, how precious did that grace appear. In other words, if it can appear to him, it can appear to any one of us. That there's no one that's so far gone that God's grace can't save them. Yeah. The hour that he first believed. The Lord hath promised good to me. I love that he put this in here. Because it, it has nothing to do with how he finished out his life, meaning um, he lost a lot of wealth because he walked away from slave trading. The Lord had promised good to me. Some of us need to walk away from something that, that we're so secured to and trust that God will bring the promise of good to you if you let go of that. His word, my hope, secures. His word, my hope, secures. Some of us are, are, are running through life right now and, and there's not a lot of hope and we're stressed out and we're, there's anxiety. And, 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 and John Newton said that, that thy word, the word, my hope secures. And as I dive into this word, as I stand on this word, as I eat this word, as I consume this word, as I allow this word to be a part of me, what happens is this. Hope rises in me. Hope is secured in me when I take this word and I read it. And there's Christian after Christian I know that are, are down and out. And I'm like, okay, I get it and I'm going to pray for you. But get this word and get it into your soul because that's the hope of Christ Jesus. And he will shield my portion. Be as long as life endures. God is good. And he is your portion. God is good. If God can take a man whose heart was so calloused and hardened that he was trading people, and, and, and he has this encounter, and all of a sudden he's completely broken and, and writing a song speaking to God's amazing grace, he can do the same for me. He can do the same for you. See, that's church. That's what God has for us. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, 
what is it? He's talking about God is so multifaceted and, and amazing that, that, that we will never fully understand. He will continue to reveal himself to us in his magnificence with no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. I've had a lot of bumps in, in life. I made a decision for Jesus when I was five. There's a lot of bumps between five and about 25, <laughs> as you can imagine. I, I remember Shirley, my mother, his wife, my dad, coming to my room and praying with me and experiencing God's grace through this woman. changed my life forever. And I had a lot of squirrely times in between, but th then when we, I can go back to where it first began. Some of you have had some squirrely times. Some of you are right in the middle of a squirrely time. But God's grace is sufficient. It is good. See, the reality is this, all of this is, is not about you. I know that's hard to believe, but I like to think it's about me. It's about others. So now what? Humility. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. If, if you've never experienced God's grace that we're talking about, this grace in the Bible... The Bible says this, today, if, if you've never experienced God's grace and you want to experience His grace, the first step to experiencing God's grace is confessing Him as Lord and Savior. And as we read earlier, John 10, 9 says that if you confess through the mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, says you will be saved. For it's with the heart that you believe in and it's justified. And so the mouth that you confess and saved. Look, I don't get into heaven because I'm a good person. What do we say? You're a good person relative to whom? Relative to Jeffrey Dahmer, yeah, you're a pretty good guy. Relative to Mother Teresa, you're not such a good guy. The standard is Jesus, who lived a perfect life, and I can't keep it. That's why I need God's grace. That's why I need God's grace. And the Bible says if you've never experienced that, if you confess through your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart God raised him, this says you will be saved. And have eternal security. It's repentance. God forgive me, I'm a sinner. Accepting God's grace through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ Jesus. Walking in the freedom of hope. Assurance of life in Christ. The second one is, if you have a relationship with Jesus, but you're not experiencing God's grace, the first thing you need to do is repent. Because God never left you. We leave him. We need to ask God to give us a heart for him and give us a heart for others. See, the heart of God is for others. It's for others. Second Peter 3, 9, not wishing that anyone should perish, but all should reach repentance. The heart of God is that all would know him. 
All won't because many reject. But the heart of God is that all will know him. And you know how he gets that out? By God's grace in your life going forth in other people's lives. Going forth in other people's lives. That's God's grace. See, the end of Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, he says this, that we should walk in them. See, people like to think, oh, I got my ticket to heaven, I'm good. Unfortunately, for too many in the church, I got my ticket to heaven and I'm good. That's a whole other theological that I'm not going to get into, but let me tell you what the Word of God says. And that we should walk in them. What are we walking in? The purposes of God. That each day when I wake up, and this, this, this word goes in me, that I love others well. That I pray for others. That I help others. That I walk in integrity as a man. That I, 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 I love my wife well. That I love my children well. That you love your husbands well. That we should walk in them. What this word says of us. And who God has called us to be. Church, I want to challenge us to be people who bring forth grace. That we'd be a church that brings forth grace. And the way we do that is through God's word. The way we do that is, 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 is prayer. You know the, the old saying in the, in the, the airplane, they, I don't even think they do it anymore, but they used to say, you know, the masks come down, put the mask on you first before your, 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 your kid. You know, and, and, and that's the same biblical principle. As you encounter God in the morning, then you're prepared, put the mask on yourself, prepared to give the gospel, the hope of the gospel, and God's grace to others throughout the day. But if you just wake up thinking about, what have I got, what have I got, what have I got? that squirrel start going right away and you don't encounter God, more than likely you'll go through the day and you won't have the grace to love others as God has called you to. So we get up in the Word and we pray a conversation with Jesus. We worship through music and Word each day, each day, that this amazing grace might go forth. That this amazing grace might go forth. As we bring the band up here again, it's the time that we receive communion. It's a holy moment. It's a holy moment. And as, as we've just talked about God's grace, and as, as we said, many said, I've heard that message before, but I am telling you, God wants you to encounter his grace. For some of us, if you could allow your spouse to encounter God's grace in your life, it would change a lot of things. For many of us, if we would just allow God's grace to for, uh, go forth, our kids would encounter God's grace in our lives. As, as we go to receive communion this morning, I want to take all that we are and, and take it to the cross. The Bible says this, on the night that Jesus betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body that's been broken for you. He said, eat this in remembrance of me. And he took the wine that represented his blood and he said, when you drink this, Drink this in remembrance of me. But before you go and receive the elements, before you receive, examine your heart. 
and ask the question, God, is grace going forth in my life? God, is your grace going forth? And if it's not, humble yourself. Repent. See, this is the beauty of this word, is when I repent, God is faithful to forgive. And I walk in freedom. I don't walk all bound up by my sin. But examine your heart before you come and receive. And then receive the elements, which is remembrance of what Jesus did. And then when you walk out of this place this morning, church begins. Church begins. And be the conduit of grace that God has called you to be. Father, I thank you for this time this morning, for these men and women. God, as we receive the bread and the wine, represents your body and your blood. God, let us examine our lives. God, let us be men and women who receive your grace and, and give your grace to others. That others might know you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. There are communion stations to the right and left of me and also in the back. There's bread you can dip in the juice or there are juice cups and sealed bread for you if you'd like. This is a family time, so as they, Joe leads us in worship, come up and, and receive communion.